This is Debbie, and welcome to another brand new episode of The Offbeat Life, where I speak to inspiring individuals who ditch the norm to live their best life and become location independent. This week, I talked to Elise Dharma, who is a travelpreneur, which is a traveling entrepreneur. A few years ago, while still at her 9 to 5, Elise started freelancing on the side, helping online brands grow their social media channels. Nine months later, Elise quit her job and founded her social media agency, Canopy. Since then, Elise has been living her dreams as a travelpreneur and continues to grow her business, creating online courses and so much more. On this episode, Elise talks to us about her fear of letting her clients down when she first started her business and how to use your current skills to become a traveling freelancer. Hey, Elise, thank you so much for joining me today. Can you fill in the gaps of your story and why you live an offbeat life? Sure. Thanks for having me, Debbie. I really appreciate coming on your podcast. And I love the brand that you've built for yourself. My uh, brain is always thinking about the marketing angle and I love the offbeat life that you've created. So thanks for having me. Um, my name is Elise. In the online world, I go, at, I go by Elise Dharma, which is my Instagram handle. And basically, I am an agency owner. I own an agency called Canopy. And I started that as a side hustle when I was an employee back in 2013. And by 2014, I was able to quit my job and run my services full time. And then I basically had created a lifestyle business for myself. So I was able to travel and work from wherever with that business. And then a couple couple years into it, I realized it wasn't really growing. It wasn't really earning more revenue or really bringing me financial freedom. So I decided that I wanted more clients. And to get more clients, I decided to grow my personal Instagram account to prove to them that I could grow Instagram accounts, which was a big part of my services that I offered. In the summer of 2016, I started to grow my own personal account. And what happened was I attracted a whole other audience that I didn't really expect. I, tra- I attracted those who were also interested in travel and digital nomadism and having their own business. So what resulted was actually a second business, which is based on my personal brand, Elise Dharma. And that's where I offer one-on-one coaching to help others kind of achieve what I've been able to do, as well as courses and, well, basically online courses where people can kind of go through um, the steps and the teachings I've developed to make this life happen for themselves. Now, when you thought about all the social media, because you could have gone to Facebook and Snapchat, why did you choose Instagram and why was it so crucial for your business? I think Instagram kind of chose me, to be honest. It was like a no-brainer kind of decision when the app came out. I am just such a photo-geared person, if that makes sense. Um, I had been on Facebook since... 2005, because I had gone to a school in the U.S. for a year. So I was able to get access before a lot of my Canadian friends were able to. So I'd been very familiar with Facebook. And I remember when Facebook came out with the ability to post a photo album, it was like a really big deal because I just started traveling then. And at that time, there were really no rules with what with what you should and shouldn't post. So there were a lot of party pictures, a lot of drinking pictures um, <laughs> from my first trip to Europe. 
And it was just so cool to be able to share a photo album with my friends and my family. It was like the easiest way to share pictures because before that we had MySpace and I think I had some MSN like photo drive that I would send out to people. So photos revolutionized Facebook. And so when the concept of Instagram launched, where it's just about the photos, it was just a no brainer for me. So when Instagram first came on the market, I didn't really take it seriously. I mean, I think my very first post was like, it was Movember. So it was me and some coworkers wearing mustaches and I just, no one was following me. It didn't matter. I was just having fun. And then about a year into it, I thought, oh, Instagram's kind of cool and artistic and there's these filters and I love the square like Polaroid look. So yeah, it was just an easy choice. It just, it wasn't, uh, it was a platform that fit in with my life really easily. So what strategy did you use to change your Instagram from personal to business? I guess I really changed my focus for my account. When I had first started it, it was just for friends and it was just for fun. No one was really following me. So I never put any thought into the stream of photos I was sharing. You know, it was just very random um, snaps from my life, none of which was very compelling from an outsider who didn't know me to want to follow. So when I started growing Instagram accounts for clients starting in 2013, it was kind of the wild, wild west of Instagram. Influencer marketing was just starting to really pick up. Accounts were able to grow really quickly in a short amount of time. One of my clients, the first one, we were able to hit 100,000 followers within like six months. Um, and there was a lot of influencer marketing outreach that I was doing at that time to get there. But it was the wild, wild west, and I learned quite a bit about growing Instagram accounts for an e-commerce brand in my years of doing it. So when it came to my personal brand, I really had to step back and look at myself as a brand, which I'd never done before. And I was a traveler, and I was an entrepreneur, and I was a digital nomad. And I had a lot of visuals to support those um, aspects of my life. And so I just decided I was going to build a travel account as my main theme. So my main, you know, post theme would be my travel pictures. But then I also wanted to incorporate aspects of my digital nomad life and my entrepreneur life. So I kind of see that as my secondary theme. So that's how I decided to design my feed. And I just really stuck to that focus. I think that's really key when you're a person and you're representing yourself online, especially on Instagram, is to choose that niche, choose that thing that you want to be known for and stick with it. You know, resist the urge to post random pictures, um, or food pictures, if that's not your norm and stick with your feed because, or stick with your theme, because that is what your followers are following you for and what they come to expect more of. What were the first steps you took in order to realize your dreams and your goals? Yeah. So going back to when I was a nine to five employee, I'd say the catalyst was a friend giving me Tim Ferriss's book, The 4-Hour Workweek, which I'm sure you've read and most people listening have probably read. And that was in 2012. So even then, the book had been out for a couple of years. And I read it, and I actually thought and sat on it for about a year. 
I didn't really know what kind of business I wanted to create. You know, Tim Ferriss has the e-commerce angle. At least that's what got him started. And I, I wasn't sure because I was studying screenwriting. I was studying um, video production. So I was actually really considering going into video and creating um, explainer videos for startups. But that didn't feel quite right because I didn't want to buy all that equipment and I couldn't really travel with that. It wouldn't make me location independent. So I thought about it for a year. And meanwhile, I was working as a social media marketer in a tech incubator. So the answer was kind of right in front of me the whole time. And eventually startups that knew me as that Twitter or Facebook girl, they started asking me to help them with their business and their brand. So that's really what started off my freelance or services business, which is totally location independent. You know, there's no equipment needed. I just need my brains and my laptop. So that was really the catalyst when I was either in school or in my nine to five job. But even going further back, I would say, you know, I was raised in a really conservative religion. And when I was 18, 17, 18, I kind of made the personal decision that that maybe there is more beyond this and maybe I believed more than what I had been taught to believe. And so coupled with that new frame of mind, then I went to Europe like the day after I finished high school, I went on a 30-day trip with Kentucky and it was it was just mind-blowing like to see I don't know I think we saw 12 countries in a month and to hang out with other people who had traveled and I don't know like the world just totally opened up to me during that trip and that then became my my obsession that feeling that I had on that first trip of curiosity and discovery and seeing different cultures and ways that other people can live. It just was so addicting. So even though I went back to school and back to university after that, I was literally obsessed with chasing that feeling. And I think that's what led me to where I'm at today, chasing that feeling of being totally, totally free. Honestly, that's what we all want to do. And you actually did it for yourself, which is amazing, Elise. So (laughs) pat yourself in the back for that one. (laughs) Thank you. When you're doing it, you don't really think, oh, I'm amazing. This is amazing. You're just doing it, you know, like many times it's survival. And then when you get external feedback and someone's telling you how great it looks from the outside, you're like, oh, cool. (laughs) doesn't feel like that all the time, but thank you. Yeah, because it's so much hard work. There's so much into it because you're working for yourself. You're your own boss. And it is harder that way because now you don't have anyone telling you what to do. So you have to rely on your own skills and everything is on you. And going back to what you said about traveling, how that definitely changed your whole outlook. We're so lucky to be able to have the opportunity to have that now. So if you want it, we sh- you should definitely take advantage of it, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. So lucky. And the freedom to be where I wanted was a freedom that I lived to the fullest when I first started this life of being a freelancer and being able to be wherever I wanted to be. Now that I'm into having my own business for like, I think we're into the fourth year, you know, the, uh, the, idea of freedom is evolving itself. And 
now it's like, oh yeah, I know I can work from wherever old news. But now when I look at things I want to do in my business, like there's a bunch of conferences coming up or there's this amazing writing workshop coming up in Italy in June. One of the top writers who I really want to work with now to me, that is freedom. Like being able to see all these events, these opportunities and go to them and be able to afford to travel and go to them and invest in them. Cause they do cost a lot when you, you know, have the ticket, the airfare, the hotel. Um, but just being able to have the freedom to invest in that education or that opportunity to meet other people, that is what's really making me excited right now. Yeah. And that's making me excited. Just <laughs> it too, what advice would you give to someone who also wants something similar or even if it's not in the same niche, but they don't know how to take that first step? So I find that a lot of people get caught up in steps that are a little bit further ahead than what they really need to focus on initially. Um, you know, they'll, they'll start worrying about their website or what to call themselves, whether it's their brand or their business. And I generally think the first step is you really need to assess what it is that you want. It's one thing to want the location independent lifestyle and the travel that comes along with it. I know it looks really kind of glitzy and glamorous from the outside, but you really have to stop and think, is being my own boss what I want? Is being in charge of my entire day and schedule something that I can handle? Is it something that I like? Do I really like that variety and the unknown that comes every single day? Or do I need that structure of being in a job or having a boss? And neither answer is right or wrong. It's just what works for you and your personality. So I find that once people have really considered that, and I do believe when I look back on my history, that's what I was really doing in that first year after I read Tim Ferriss's book. I was really assessing, like, is this lifestyle something that is feasible for my personality and what I want out of life? So once you go, kind of go through that process and you're still ready to try to be your own boss, the next thing you want to do is really assess the current skills that you already have. And if those skills are something that you can polish to offer as a service to clients, in my opinion, that is the fastest way to get a full-time income generated on the side of your job. I don't recommend to people to quit their job so that they can solely focus on their side business or their new business. I, for me, I um, did both for nine months. So I worked in my nine to five job and then I ran my services on the side for nine months, which is a little bit longer than the average. I say most people will do that for three to six, but honestly, I was really enjoying having the double income and having the benefits and the vacation time from my job. I was really able to save a lot of money because I had my side business. So I really recommend to keep that steady job. Don't worry. I don't want you stressing about money or stressing about trying to pay your bills because you just left your job and now you need to make this business work. There's a lot of experimentation that goes into starting a brand new business when it comes to your skills, when it comes to the kind of life that you're building for yourself, when it comes to the type of clients that you like to work with, when it comes to the type of brand and name that you're developing for yourself, all of this is like very, it's like a rough rock initially. And with time, it slowly becomes polished, but you got to give yourself that space to have that time to get there. I also find it interesting that 
with a few or most of the people that I've spoken to who did ditch their nine to five, one of their biggest tips is to not leave it (laughs) until you're actually able to monetize what you're doing, your passion. Uh Because if you're not making money from what you're doing, even though you love it, it's never going to be your career or your business. It's just going to be a hobby. So (laughs) yeah, it's not a business at that point. Like until you have made money, it's not a business until you're actually bringing in cash from your efforts. Talking about monetization, what strategy would you give us when somebody doesn't know exactly how to monetize the project that they're doing? So for example, as a blogger or social media, how would they be able to do that? What's the first step that they should look into? Yeah, blogging is tough to monetize right off the bat. I this is something I teach to my audience and because I really believe like a lot of people get swept up in this blogger lifestyle that they see other established bloggers have, which I'm not saying it's not true, but like they have probably put years into their blog before they're at the point where they're getting sponsored or they're getting paid to travel. And I think it's just a really, it's a long game for someone. If they want to start a blog and monetize their blog through sponsorships or affiliates or through ads, you got to play the long game because you have to put out a lot of really good content that's going to generate the traffic that will get the attention of people who want to pay you. So in my experience and what I truly believe, like I said, the fastest way for someone to generate a full-time income so that they can quit their job is through services. Because by taking the skills you already have, or even if you want to learn a new one, that's totally fine. There's a process where you can learn it and then really refine it and test it before you start charging clients for it. But I find that if you lead with services, you will be able to get there as a full-time entrepreneur or, you know, being your own boss a lot faster. Because if you think about it, If you put together a package of services that on average you charge, let's say, $1,000 a month for, right? And the key here is ongoing services. A lot of people will charge for a one-time project, which isn't a bad thing, but you do want to have some ongoing services as well because you want to be able to serve clients on an ongoing basis so that you have consistent income coming in as well. So if you're able to generate about $1,000 a month from each client, you only really need, let's say, three to five clients to be able to generate that full-time income again, depending where you live, because some cities cost a lot more than others. Um, But to me, that's how I was able to do it. And that's exactly what I teach with my coaching clients and my course students. And that's how they are finding success for themselves as well. Talking about how people are kind of misinformed sometimes, and they think blogging or any really job that they see on social media, especially when you're traveling and you're going to all of these places, they think it's an overnight success, which really is not true. (laughs) Mm -hmm. No. What 
is your average day look like? Every day is a little bit different. I could show you a screenshot of my calendar to really share what the reality. I've actually just themed my days of the week. Um, and I've had them themed for a while, but I just changed the themes for every day for the, for 2018. So to give you an idea of my week on Mondays, um, it's my goal to spend those days batch creating content whether that is writing blogs for my blog or planning out my Instagram feed for the week or filming videos, which is something that I really hope to get into this year or plan to Mondays is for batch creating Tuesdays is for general marketing, because when you create something, they say 20% of your efforts should be spent creating it and 80% should be spent promoting it. So any sort of marketing that I need to do, whether it's writing an email or running some promo or campaign or just planning it, that's what I have planned to do on Tuesdays. And then Wednesdays, I'm reserving for my one-on-one -on -one coaching clients just because I find it's hard to switch from like my business to someone else's business and then go back to my business. So what I've decided is I'm dedicating one day of the week to just focusing on my coaching clients businesses. And, and also it's a lot of talking for one day. So I just want to put it all in one day. So I'm not, I'm not talking throughout the whole week. And then Thursdays I've allotted for my agency business. So that's canopy. And so any client calls, client work, um, making approvals with my contractors, that's all going to happen on Thursdays. And then Fridays I've left open as a personal or flex day, meaning if I need to make a dentist appointment or do something personal, I'll try to get it done on the Friday. Or if I'm behind on any of my work from the week, I will get it done on the Friday. So that's the plan for my week. And then in general, as far as a day, it's usually pretty mixed. Um, you know, a lot of it is spent writing, to be honest. A lot of it is writing for myself or for clients, whether it's a blog or an email or social media captions. Then I might have a couple client calls to touch base with clients or whether it's a coaching client. And then that's pretty much it, I would say. I'm just generally context switching between my agency business and my personal brand business. And like I said, switching back and forth between two businesses is actually really unproductive. So I'm trying to streamline that more for this year so that I'm doing less of the context switching and then hopefully getting my work done more efficiently. <laughs> Just listening to what you mentioned, what you do is already making me tired. So just <laughs> that just shows how much work Elise has done in order to create this successful lifestyle for herself. So guys, it's not an overnight success. Look at how much work she has to do. <laughs> it's a lot of work. And right now I am running two businesses. We'll see where I land at the end of this year, you know, whether I'm going to be so involved with canopy or what, but yeah, I, it is a lot of work. It is a lot of work and it's hard to convey that in an Instagram post, yeah. you know, that looks pretty <laughs> and relaxed, but I'm working. Yeah. But the biggest difference is, is that you love it. And this is the lifestyle that you chose for yourself. It's true. I do honestly love it because I remember, I still remember the feeling sitting at my desk in my nine to five job. I mean, I loved my coworkers. I loved the social aspect of that job, but there were, there were some times where I'd sit at my desk looking at what I needed to do. And I literally felt 
dead inside. And I don't know how, how, how else to describe it, but I just felt like lifeless about what I was doing. There was no excitement for it. And to be honest, I have rarely, if ever felt that same feeling since running my own business. It's a totally different ball game. It's more of a mix of excitement with maybe a little bit of fear, especially initially there's this big fear of failure or a fear of letting a client down, especially when you are really just honing in on your services and your skills. And now I would say it's more excitement. There's still a little bit of fear because if I don't work, I'm not getting paid, which is also different from a nine to five, the nine to five, you could sometimes do nothing at your job and you're still going to get that paycheck. Right. Um, with your own business. No, it doesn't work like that. If you're not working, you're, you're not going to get those checks in the door. I really agree with you. And also one of the things that makes me unhappy about certain things, especially with a day job is that sometimes you're just not challenged when you feel like you're not challenged and you're not growing. That is a really horrible feeling because for me personally, like I would feel stuck and unmotivated because of that. That is what happens in a nine to five job. When you first get it, it's new and exciting. And then you get your, your feet wet and you get used to it after a couple of months. And then maybe for the first year, I would say there could be enough challenges built in and you, and you feel like you're moving up and leveling up. But I find most nine to five jobs are just not designed for you to go that much higher. Like you can get to a certain point and then you kind of, you max out. And then as far as climbing the career ladder, generally the next step is to take your boss's job or want to have your boss's job, whether it's at your current organization or another one. And if you're not excited at the prospect of doing what your boss does, then you might want to reconsider what you're doing for work. Throughout your whole journey, what has been the biggest setback that you've encountered and how do you usually handle? One of the most challenging times in my journey was right after I quit my day job and I had a full-time client roster. So I was working full-time. I was, you know, making my full-time income, but that transition of leaving the social environment of my job was a transition. There was a period of just getting used to working by myself all day, every day, or working from home. And at that time I didn't have a home office set up. I was just working from my couch or my dining table, which I wouldn't recommend doing for too, too long. It, it does really help you be more productive when you give yourself the space to work. So now I have a full desk and a, basically my living room is my office. But at that time, I was just really adjusting to being on my own. And then two months after quitting, I went through what was the worst breakup of my life. Um, and it just felt like really bad timing because I had just left the little, the little bubble of my job. And then to be going through a breakup and having this brand new business be full time, I just felt incredibly alone. And it was really, really hard to stay focused on, um, working. You know, I could barely leave the house at times because Toronto winter was also setting in at that time. So it wasn't really nice to go out. And I was just probably depressed. Like I was really, really low energy and 
it was hard. It was hard to get motivated. And so my goal at that time was just not to lose clients. Like I needed to get the work done just so I wouldn't lose them. I talked to a friend at that time and she said, well, why don't you go traveling? I mean, you have this business that you can now do from wherever and you're going through a hard time personally. You don't need to still be here and it's freezing. Like, why don't you go traveling? And it was like a light bulb moment. It, it's bizarre to think now that I didn't really think about it then, but I was just so distracted with the the breakup that when she said it, it made a lot of sense. And I knew I was going to go to Australia anyway for a family wedding. So I booked that ticket to Australia and I ended up staying there for a month with my family. So it was you know, nice to be around family when you're going through a hard time. And then I, on January 1st, 2015, I basically flew into Bali and that was an actual dream come true because when I was in my nine to five job, I found out about co-working space in Bali called Hubud in Ubud, which is a town in Bali. And it looked like a tree house for adults, like, like adults working out of this tree house in the forest of Bali. It looked like a dream. So I started 2015 off with, by flying into Bali, it was kind of an eat, pray, love trip. I'm not going to lie, like Australia and then Bali, where I was kind of alone, but I met some friends in the co-working space. And then I flew to Hawaii after that to see some other family members. And that was probably the love portion of my trip. And yeah, it was a two and a half month trip. And by the time I got back to Toronto, I felt a lot more grounded and sure of myself and business focused. So yeah, that whole experience was really, really hard at the time. But, you know, I just realized this a few months ago, but because of that breakup, I went traveling. And because of that traveling, it really kicked off this whole digital nomad aspect of my life you know, I'm not sure I would have the same business I have today if it weren't for all of those experiences that happened and those decisions I made. So having that perspective, and again, this just hit me a few months ago, it's just kind of cool, you know, and I can, when, when someone I know is going through a hard time personally, or, you know, one of my coaching clients is going through a breakup, for example, I can just so relate and, I know it's, it really sucks when you're going in it or through it and you're in the thick of it, but hopefully there's a silver lining in it one day as I've been able to see for myself. And, you know, it took a couple of years to get there, but I'd say it was really worth it looking back. We often can get so consumed by the grief or the heartache of everything, but then we survive. It all comes down to really perspective and what can happen and all the opportunities you were given because of this change. I don't know what would have happened. I mean, I, I do think that the breakup was definitely for the best, like for what I needed at that time. And, and I probably needed that shakeup in my life. And I'm back together with that same person now. So... We, uh, we had our first relationship, our relationship 1.0, and now we're in relationship 2.0. So that's the plot twist. <laughs> Talking about your love life, how are you able to maintain uh, a relationship when you do travel a lot and you have this nomadic lifestyle? Yeah, this is a question I'm getting more and more of, and I'm realizing I need to share more about this because when you look at my Instagram feed, really when I designed it, I didn't really plan to include much about my friends or if I was in a relationship then. 
And now when people hear that I am in a relationship, they find it surprising because I guess the life I portray online looks like to make it happen, you have to be single um, because how else do you travel so much um, while still maintaining a relationship? And I think I'm really lucky in that my boyfriend is able to travel as well. Um, he he uh, works in a job of his own, but there's quite a bit of flexibility that he has. And the truth is a lot of the trips that I go on are actually trips of his and I'm just joining because I can. So he's either arranged it or I don't know, there's just some connection where he's, he's initiating the trip and I'll just kind of join because I have the ability to. So I'm just lucky. Like, I honestly don't know if I have any advice or tips or tricks for someone. It's just, the nature of the situation I'm in with, with my relationship. And, uh, yeah, we're both pretty lucky in that we both get to travel quite a bit. And for the most part, I'd say we're traveling together. When I went to Bali this past year with this company called PAC, that was totally on my own. So I was in Bali for a month without him and the plan was for him to come, but it just didn't work out logistically. And then I went to Vancouver and Hawaii with my family. So we did end up spending six weeks apart and that was a bit tough. Like that was too long. <laughs> so now we know there's a certain limit of time that we can really spend apart. And that's what I'm going to plan for this year is if I am going to do any traveling without him, you know, I know that a good period of time is like two to three weeks longer than that. It gets a little challenging. What is the worst advice that you have ever received? The one thing that comes to mind when it comes to advice or anything that's happened is sometimes me and my business friends have talked about this in the past, but it's this idea of a woman using her looks to get ahead in business. And I am a firm believer in not leading with something like that, with the way you look or the way you can doll yourself up, because what's going to happen is you're ultimately going to attract an audience that they don't really care what you are offering as a business or what you're selling or what you're really representing. They're just there for their own reasons. And, you know, you can, as a female entrepreneur or female freelancer or a female traveler, you can end up attracting a lot of male followers, which if they're not part of your target audience, then it's kind of like, what's the point? So I, I'm just, I'm a firm believer in, you know, owning how you look and representing yourself well, because none of us have control over, you know, the genetics we were born with, but we can always keep ourselves looking good and staying healthy and, you know, dressing well. So I'm a big believer in in putting your best foot forward, but not necessarily leading with the sex sells angle, because I think a lot of women in business might be tempted to do that because it just might be an easier way to gain followers or gain attention. But ultimately, I think you're just going to attract the wrong type of people. And when it comes to selling them your services or products, I don't think they're necessarily going to be interested in that. So that is, um, yeah, I'd say that's some advice that I was given a long time ago and I didn't listen to it and I'm glad. <laughs> 
sometimes I feel like women do it even though they feel uncomfortable. And I think that's the most important thing. Like if it's not making you comfortable, do not do it. That's not who you are. And people, your audience are going to see that. And it's not going to be good for you or for your business. And just think like this is 2018. Who knows where the internet's going to be in 10, 20 years. But just imagine that anything you publish online is going to live there forever because I think it does. I think even if you delete it, there's some record of it somewhere. So if you're ever unsure or feeling pressured, I would just really not post it because you just don't know if you're going to regret that down the road or how it might come back to, to bite you. And if you, if that is your brand, if that's your angle and if you're in fitness or if you're a bikini model and that's just, that's what works for you. Great. Awesome. Not saying that you shouldn't do it, but if it doesn't work for you, don't, don't try to push it, you know, and force yourself. Let's fast track to 50 years from now. And you're looking back at your life. What legacy would you like to leave? And what do you want to be remembered for? You know, I feel really strongly about helping women. And I know that sounds weird, but you know, I know it's challenging to be a woman in business. It has its own set of different challenges or to even represent being a female digital nomad. Women have always just had their own challenges that come from being in business or putting themselves out there. And I really want to help as many women as I can either build the life that they want for themselves, that freedom-based life, and really develop that confidence and that strength that they have inside of themselves to be that person in the world. I find that is the biggest challenge, especially for women. I'm, I'm talking about women because that's mostly who I work with as coaching clients or, you know, in my courses, it's typically women. They probably relate to me in some way and that's why they're following me. But, um, you know, I just find that a lot of the women that I do touch base with or work with have so much potential. They have the smarts, they have the skills, they have the work ethic. Like, oh my gosh, the amount of work and effort that I see people putting towards their business and their brand is amazing. And then a lot of it can be crushed with just having shaky confidence in themselves and in what they're putting out there. And I totally speak from experience when I'm saying this, you know, I'm not someone who's just naturally born with 200% confidence. So it's something that I think we all have to work at. We can all be our toughest critics. I find that when I have a block in my own business or in my personal life, when I really get to the heart of it, it usually comes down to my own confidence in myself. I can see the importance of investing in helping yourself, whether it's through, you know, talking to a therapist or self-help development programs, like whatever it is that you need, it does pay off in all aspects of your life. So I'd really like to just be able to help people in that realm as much as possible when I'm looking back on my own life and I'm also hoping that I have a happy and healthy family. I think that would be cool. And I hope that I've lived a life full of adventure, even more adventure, because I am addicted to it. Well, that is definitely an incredible legacy to leave. And I really feel like you've started it already because you are showing it. You're not just talking about it. You're actually doing it. Let's get to some fun questions before I let you go. <laughs> mm -hmm. Perfect. 
some people like myself, I nerd out on interviewing, inspiring peeps like yourself and hiking. And I am a gosh and like a weirdo with romance novels. (laughs) (laughs) What about you? What do you nerd out on? Two things come to mind when it comes to food. I'm obsessed with noodles. So anything that is like noodle related, whether it is, I mean, I pretty much grew up on Mr. Noodles. So, but now I love like ramen noodles or pho or any Thai noodles I'm obsessed with. So I could eat noodles every single night of the week, most likely. Um, so as far as food, that's my favorite and my little obsession. As far as like quirks, um, I really like trampolines. I had a trampoline growing up. I think my parents got it for us when we were teens and I was on that thing so much. And so my dream is when I'm able to buy property one day and actually own land, I'm going to get a trampoline and put it on that land right away. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) You need to invite us for that because that's going to be so much fun. (laughs) If you were given a one minute ad slot during the Super Bowl and you can't sell it, with the potential to reach millions, what would you fill it with? Well, I have businesses. So my first instinct would be to, you know, use that slot as a chance to reach my audience. And, you know, I, I, I target e-commerce businesses through my agency, but I'd probably lean more towards my personal business, my Elise Dharma business. And I would use that slot and that advertisement time to really talk to other women who have been where I've been or they want to go where I'm going and really reach out to them and show them through videos or pictures that it is possible to create and craft your own life of freedom so you can do whatever it is you want to do. And for me, that's travel, but that doesn't necessarily have to be the thing for everyone else. For some women, they just want to be able to work from home so they can raise their kids or they just want to be able to, you know, not have to go to the office every single day. Like whatever the reason is, I would use that time to share my message, share my story and talk to those people who are looking for how to make it happen for themselves. If you had to make money fast, what would be the most outrageous thing that you would do to get it? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. The most outrageous thing I would do is if I were to be single one day, I I would like apply to be on the bachelor show because I have been watching that since I was like, I swear, I don't know if it's been going on for 15 years, but I swear I started watching it when I was a teen, like 14, 15. Um, I would go on the bachelor and you know, I would be myself. I don't think I would play it up as a character, but I would go there with the hopes of getting more attention to my business. And I feel like that exposure um, would help uh, generate some more revenue. (laughs) How were you able to finance this chosen career at the start? And how do you continue to create income today? Ah, good question. I actually love talking about money. This is a newfound passion of mine. I didn't realize I liked it so much until I started talking about it. So when I started my business, again, it was services for clients. So really the cost of starting was like zero. I already had my computer and that's all I really needed. So I didn't need much income or much of my savings to get started. And 
I also kept my day job for as long as I possibly could. So that day job was funding my lifestyle living in downtown Toronto. So I was able to pay for my rent, my food. I was still able to travel. I mean, I had benefits with that job. It was awesome. Um, and so I kept it going as long as possible. And then when I quit that job to do my own business full time, you know, it's a different ball game. I don't have dental benefits anymore. So I'm paying for every dentist visit or any medical expense that, that I come across. And that is very motivating. Like when you are totally in charge of your own monthly income. And at that time I was going to say revenue, but at that time I wasn't even thinking of it as revenue because it was a lifestyle business and I was a sole proprietor. So any income that came in went to me personally. Now it's a different story. Now I have a corporation, so everything is run under Canopy Inc. And now I really see it as, okay, this is business income. It's not my money. And then out of that income, I pay myself as kind of an employee. So it's a totally different way to think of my finances now versus then. But then it was, I got to keep my full-time income going and keep, keep my clients happy trying to impress them or ask for referrals because referrals are generally a really, really good way to grow your business. So I used a lot of those tactics in the first two years just to keep my client workload full. And now I've expanded my business through my personal brand, totally different story because now I offer coaching and courses, which have also helped scale and grow my revenue. I love it. And you have created so many ways to monetize your business and all of the things that you've done for it is incredible. What are you working on today that really excites you? The 2017 year, it really was a year of building. It was a year of building a lot of these offers or these systems in my business that I need to run it efficiently. And it was a year of building courses. I was able to build InstaGrowth Boss and Freelance Business in a Box. Those are two separate courses serving two different audiences. And now that all that blood, sweat, and tears went into creating all these offers and systems, I feel like this year is really a year where I'm going to focus on automating a lot of these um a lot of the ways that I get in front of people and scaling and scaling is a word that a lot of people often use, but maybe don't fully understand. And I'm sure I'm still learning it to its fullest extent, but it's basically like having the systems in place in my business so that I can reach and serve more people than I have. And my business will be able to sustain that level of um, numbers essentially. So now that I have these courses and, you know, my coaching, it's a little bit more limited there because it is my time and we all can't create more time. But now that I have the courses there, I'm really excited to figure out the strategies and the promotions and the campaigns to really talk to and get in front of those people who are looking for these products as a solution so they can get to where they want to go. That sounds so exciting and amazing. And I love the way that you're going to be heading towards scaling your business. Incredible, Elise. <laughs> so if our listeners want to know more about you, where can they find you? 
The best place to go is elisedharma.com. That is the hub for everything where my latest blog posts are and how you can work with me or if there are any freebies. I love to give free resources to my audience. So I have a checklist on whether the travelpreneur life is for you or not. That one, um, that one is a popular one. I'm surprised. I made it about a year ago and people are still still downloading it. So you can grab that. There's also an Instagram growth guide that's also totally free. You can get my tips to really boost your Instagram growth. And then I have a few more things in the works that I'm really excited about, like a few quizzes that are coming out or maybe a few like online courses that are free for my um, website visitors. So those aren't out yet, but at any time, go to elisedharma.com and you'll see what is out and ready for you. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Elise, for talking with all of us today. I really appreciate it. And everybody, make sure to sign up for the extended interview with Elise because she's going to give us more tips on how to achieve freedom-based lifestyle through Instagram. Thank you, Elise. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Elise. Make sure to visit theoffbeatlife.com. Again, that's theoffbeatlife.com to get the extended interview with Elise where she shares how to create a freedom-based lifestyle through Instagram. Love a good audiobook as much as I do? Of course you do. Well, you're in luck because I have teamed up with audible.com to give you a 30-day trial for free, make sure to visit offbeatbook.com. Again, that's offbeatbook.com to get that incredible trial.